Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of trees. And I'm joined today by Aaron. Hello. That's me. Oh, boy. We're back. We took a week off. Yeah. How was that? It was great. And people were very nice about it. Nice. And they were Good. like, uh, you know, safe travels. Uh-huh. That was like a very common message. Um, I didn't go anywhere exciting. I was in Pennsylvania. Ooh. We had a good time. I went That's with my nice. Herald team to yes. a, a festival. Yes, an improv festival. Yes. How was uh, that? Steel Stacks Improv uh, Festival. The audience was super nice. The organizers did not like us. Oh, no. <laughs> and didn't seem to be happy that people had traveled from like out of state <laughs> to do their festival. Wow. It was very weird. That's strange. I think they were mad that we didn't buy. You had to buy a pass to see other shows. Okay, so even you, as a performer, so which, you could go to just your show. Yeah, but it, if you wanted to see other people, you had to buy a pass. Correct, which is insane. crazy, actually insane. <laughs> Especially because we had traveled from out of state, right? So that means we we paid for a car, we paid for gas, mm-hmm. we had to buy meals. Like we spent money to do your festival. Yeah, uh, which was again not the audience's fault. The audience was lovely. And it was a very fun set, but they gave us an attitude when they were like, oh, and you didn't buy the passes. And we were like, no. <laughs> we came and spent money to perform. We're doing your <laughs> festival. You would not have a festival without acts. Which is also strange, too, because like previously UCB improv teams have like headlined that festival. Yeah. That was like the big draw yeah. a, a couple of years ago. It was like UCB teams. I think it was this year as well. Yeah. So like that's very there strange. There were a few UCB teams that right. did it. Uh, yeah. Very, very strange. But again, we had a great time. That's nice. Great where, team bonding. <laughs> where, where is this in PA? Uh, Bethlehem. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Really cute town. Yeah. Is that a lot like of goth ob- girls. <laughs> oh, okay. That I noticed working in like the little oh. boutique shops. Okay. A right. lot of goth girls, which I was like, right on. There you go. A lot Hopefully. of small music boxes mm. in every single little boutique. Yeah. People and a lot of like religious messaging, obviously, because Bethlehem. Is that like uh, is that like Amish country? Close, okay. I think. Okay. Like bordering it. Right. We were trying to figure out what to do afterwards because <laughs> we our set was really early and we were like, well, we have a car. We never have a car. We and should you do something. See any of the other shows. We couldn't <laughs> see any of the shows. We were barred from seeing any shows. <laughs> so I should say too, the venue is so cool. It's in Steel Stacks is called Steel Stacks because it used to be a big steel industry town. Mm, yeah. So they have these huge factories Thanks. that have been turned into other stuff. Mm-hmm. And this venue was in one of the old Steel Stacks. So the the venue itself is all modern and then you go outside and these like giant steel towers hover above it and it looks so spooky Mm -hmm. and they like light it up with red lights because they know it's creepy right uh and it's very very cool and apparently it was raining the day we were there but you can walk up the steps outside Mm. and go all the way up on the towers which i was like oh i wish we could have done that that sounds cool but we were trying to figure out what to do afterwards and my teammate casey goes we should go to that town that's always on fire (laughs) Do you know about that town? There's no. a town where like there's a mine that is on fire. Oh, I feel like I've heard of this. I did not know it was in Pennsylvania. <laughs> you can apparently you can go, but they tell you you shouldn't. Right. And you definitely shouldn't go at night. That seems like 
something that should not be said. <laughs> yeah, like they should like the have place to tell that's you that. always on fire. Just Maybe don't go. don't go. Don't go. It's not safe. It can collapse uh-huh. literally at any time. <laughs> there are sinkholes everywhere. <laughs> don't go. But we like considered it for a second. We were like, should we go to the town that's always on fire? It was just like. Six New Yorkers with a car, and we didn't know what to do. Right. We were like, do we go to the town that's always on fire? <laughs> and then we were like, wait, we live in New York City. Let's go back to New York City right. with a car and just <laughs> hang out. Right. So that's, that's what funny. we did. Yeah. I, uh, the first time I ever went to Pittsburgh, I thought it was supposed to be like that. It was like, I thought it was supposed to be like old steel town, mm-hmm. you know? And like, we pulled up, and it's, Pittsburgh's awesome. It's real bougie it's now. Gorgeous. It's real, I like Pittsburgh. I loved it. Should we go to Pittsburgh? <laughs> Let's do a friend's outing to yeah. Pittsburgh. I, the first time I went, I was just like, this is like, it's so pretty. Mm-hmm. It's like on the side of a mountain. There's like a river. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, yeah, it was gorgeous. I loved it. Yeah. And uh, I, yeah. I realize I never plug my shows on this podcast and mm-hmm. I don't know why. But anyway, guys, I'm on Herald Night. My team is Promises. We perform every other Tuesday at Hell's Kitchen. True. So you should come to a show. UCB Hell's Kitchen. UCB in case Hell's you're Kitchen. Unfamiliar. Yep, that's uh, one of the locations. There's mm. also Subculture. Yes. But yeah, come. The other two teams are great too. Yeah. High Water it's and At Last. It's, it's a good, good night. night. Yeah. Yeah. It's a solid, solid lineup. Yeah. So. Uh, while we're in the recommendation section, mm-hmm. I'm a little light on recommendations Ooh. this week. I'm going to have a couple of spice in. Yeah. Okay. So I've already recommended this one, but I want to double down just because it somehow keeps getting better in a very specific way that I'll talk about in a second. Okay. But The Outsider on mm. HBO. Yes. I am obsessed with this fucking show. I think we show. talked about this two weeks ago. We for sure already mm-hmm. talked about it because I saw like the pilot and I was like, this is so fucking good. Mm-hmm. So in case you don't know, it's based on a Stephen King novel. And you read the novel? I did not. Did not. Okay. So I knew nothing about it going in. But it's just so cleverly paced because usually what happens in a supernatural story is once they reveal what the weird thing is and yeah. why the weird thing is happening, mm-hmm. you lose interest in the story. Right. That doesn't happen with The Outsider. That is, I will say, that's been one of my favorite things about, I'm not, like, I I, I would consider myself a Stephen King fan, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not, like, an obsessive, like, read every book that comes out fan. Sure. But I will say, of all the Stephen King that I've read, what I've always really appreciated is that his stories have elements of the supernatural, mm-hmm. and he treats it very, like, in in a way that, like, it feels real. Yeah, and he's very uh, focused on emotions. Yes. So really what The Outsider is about is grief and mm-hmm. coping with grief. Mm-hmm. So there's that emotional anchor to carry you through this supernatural mm-hmm. tale, and that's really important because you care about the characters, you you care about what's happening to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's a really frightening story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know how many. I don't want to give too many details away because part of the fun is being like, "What the fuck is happening?" and right. then realizing what's happening. Right. But yeah, it's it's real well done. Yeah, I think being like a, a, a passing Stephen King slash sci fi fan. Mm-hmm was really helpful for doing improv. Yeah. It, where it's, it's important like, to know those Yeah, well it's knowing the references, but like also just in the in a general meta way of like one of the biggest skills in improv is like not getting hung up on all the crazy shit that's happening. Right. And 
focusing on relationships or emotions or whatever. Right. <clears throat> that's very helpful if you're into like sci-fi or whatever, because it's like you can read like a Philip K. Dick or Stephen King or mm-hmm. just any any sci-fi, and it's like all this crazy stuff's happening, and it's very easy to be like, what what the hell is this? But right. like you have to get past that to the root of what the story is and about. ground it. Yeah. yeah. So, any recommendations? Yeah. Well. I have to, because of what today is, I have to <laughs> remind everyone that mm-hmm. Groundhog Day, one of the greatest movies of all time, you should watch it today in, uh, you know, in a celebration mm-hmm. of Groundhog I Day. I truly thought that was going to be Super Bowl related. <laughs> when you were like, because of this day. No, and no. I was like, are you going to recommend a football movie? Yes. What's happening? Uh, no, because of this day. You got to watch Groundhog Day. It's one you, of the all time greats. You absolutely must. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm being attacked yeah, by cats right I now. Yeah, <laughs> I feel I should tell the audience because they obviously this is a, a, an audio medium. You right. can't see what's happening. Eric is covered in cats. Uh, just literally, co- like Desmond is sprawled across him, and Penny wants in on the action. Mm-hmm. It's mostly that she senses Desmond gets a, like, right. attention, and yeah. she's like, "What the fuck is happening here? <laughs> I am also here. Mm-hmm. Maybe you weren't aware of that fact." Right. Uh, I liked uh, I liked the documentary American Factory. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. It's kind of a bummer. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Just a heads up. Uh-huh. It's a bit of a bummer. Sure. Uh, but it's a very fascinating, interesting documentary about um a ch- a, a, a factory in uh, Ohio, I believe, mm-hmm. that like uh, an auto parts factory that shuts down, and then a Chinese company comes in and buys the factory and restarts it. Okay. Um and just about all the issues that come with that, you know, mm. between like the Chinese company redoing the factory and the American workers who are staffing it and all this stuff and like all the tensions between management and the workers and all this stuff. It's a very okay. fascinating, intense, uh, interesting documentary, I thought. So it's not about, I thought it was about like organizing. It sort of is about okay. that. Because it's about, th- because at first, I mean, the, the, the general, I'm not giving anything away here, but like the, the general crux of it is like, this factory shuts down. People are out of work. This Chinese company steps in, buys the factory, restarts it, basically. Mm-hmm. Everybody's happy because jobs are back. You know, they're restarting the factory. And then all of a sudden, it, it very quickly devolves into a big problem between the actual workers and the Chinese company, mm-hmm. like, managers. Yeah. And about, like, the workers, you know, organizing against the Chinese company I and see. all this stuff. So yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole thing. Sure. It's, it's fascinating. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Eric's review yeah. of American it's a, it's a, like it's a, a whole, whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's it's great. I, I really enjoyed it. it. It is very, like, intense. The Obamas like, did it, right? I don't know. I thought that Maybe. was their thing. Wow. That let me well, double check that. That very well I could be. Threw I threw that no, out there. I literally did not know anything about the production of it. I just saw it on Netflix and watched it. I threw that out there with such confidence <laughs> where I was like, yeah, the Obamas documentary. Uh, let's see. So keep talking. I'm looking. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's one of those like. Yes. Uh, this is the first film produced by Barack Obama and oh, Michelle the, Obama's with their, production company. Their huge production deal they got from Netflix. Yeah, higher ground productions. Gotcha. Oh, I get it. Because she said, "When they go low, we go high." <laughs> higher um, ground. But yeah, it's really like I don't know. It's one of those documentaries that like it's not uplifting, but it is like great to watch. Sure. I think. Well made. Very well made. Mm-hmm. Very great. The story is told very well. Like to keep, it's kind of very well paced throughout to keep you kind of interested and sure. show you lots of stuff that's going on. It's really good. So I, I have another recommendation mm-hmm. for another podcast. Ooh, I also have another podcast recommendation. <laughs> okay, really just blowing up your spot. Yeah, here. it's fine. Uh, so 
Nicole Byer, who mm-hmm. has one million podcasts, has and deservedly so. Deservedly so, very funny, very talented. Uh, has another podcast mm-hmm. that just came out, and <laughs> it is about her and her co-host uh, Lauren Lapkus watching all of the Star Wars films for the first time. It's <laughs> called Newcomers. Nice. And it's really well done. The first episode um, is with John Gemberling, who is mm. like a super, super hardcore right. Star Wars fan. And I really like it because, first of all, it's just fun to listen to someone experience something for the first time. And uh-huh. they're both very funny about it. And then also... They're very genuine in their curiosity. Right. Like they they do like make fun of it a lot, where they're like, "This is dumb," uh, or "This is boring." Right. But also, like John Gambling <laughs> genuinely loves the Star Wars films, right. and they're very open and like welcoming to that perspective as well. Um, also, there are bonus tracks of them actually watching the whole thing, <laughs> so like you can put it oh, on nice. as you watch it, and like their commentary matches up. Oh, that's cool. It's very fun. Um, that's yeah. cool. I like that. I that's cool. I want to listen to that because I'm very interested in the idea of somebody watching the original Star Wars for the first time as like a 30 year old. Yeah, it's so interesting because it's just so slow. So like the way it opens, they're like, "How did anyone get obsessed with this?" Right. And, like, them trying to figure it out, where they were like, well, you know, it was, like, that era, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, and so much of the original is, like, I mean, especially given today's standards, like, very hokey, very campy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, So it's it's fun when they're making fun of it, too, because it's like, yeah, there's a lot to make fun of. Right. So what's your podcast Uh, recommendation? Also a rewatch podcast. (laughs) Uh, the Office Ladies. Ooh. I started listening to The Office Ladies. It's Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. Okay, can you please explain this to me? Because this is the wildest idea to me. Someone the other day was talking about listening to that podcast. Uh-huh. And I was like, wait. It's, it's about The Office yes. hosted by two the ladies from The Office? office? Yes. It's, it's, it's Angela Kinsey, who played Angela, of course. Jenna Fisher, who played Pam. And they talk about The Office? They rewatch and discuss every episode of The Office. That's interesting. So, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. There's a little bit of everything. So, they, okay. do, they do, like, an episode recap for people, you know, um, kind of talk about the plot of the actual episode. And then, the, yeah, they just talk about behind-the-scenes stuff. Wow. Um, production stuff, you know, different, different little tidbits, uh, you know, that people might not have picked up on or that, obviously, they wouldn't know because it was behind-the-scenes. It is really interesting to me the level at which people are obsessed with The Office. I'm unabashedly obsessed with The Office. It's so interesting because like, I watch The Office, I like The Office, uh, I like everybody involved at the, in The Office, think they're all funny, talented people, but it was something I watched once, never felt the need to watch it again, never feel the need to like have it, to watch like reruns or uh-huh. anything. Yeah. Would not listen to anything <laughs> like that just because like I'm not interested on that level, but right. so many people are. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, people get obsessed with it. I, I'm one of them. Yeah. I yeah, I, I love it. I, I think it's it's great. I even like the the quote unquote bad seasons. Mm. Um which I don't there it's like it just went on too long. It went on too long. I think like I feel I don't know, I feel kind of the same way about it that I feel about like The Simpsons, which is like you know, even the quote unquote bad like seasons of The Simpsons, I'm still like, eh, it's fine. It's like it's still The Simpsons as watchable, yeah. you know. Um, I mean, going back to what we were talking about with just being loving, grounded 
right. emotions. Like I feel like The Simpsons was able to go yeah. on so long, right. is able to go on so long because right. they're never going to cancel that no. show because people just love these characters right. and they like love The Simpsons family and mm-hmm. they love the dynamics and it's like I will watch these characters forever. Right. Exactly. And people feel that way about The Office as well. I think so, yeah. They would have just watched those characters be dumb forever. Right. right. Um, and then they got real dumb right. for a couple seasons. Yeah, and it yeah. kind of went off the rails. Mm-hmm. But then they had that emotional anger to like bring it back. Yeah, I mean, that's why, like, I mean, It's Always Sunny is one of the longest-running live-action sitcoms of all time. But that, that's such an interesting example because... I don't feel like, oh, maybe that's not true. Max and Dennis have an interesting relationship. I was like, with It's Always Sunny, I don't feel like there are emotional anchors for that show. It is just screamingly funny. I don't think it's an emo. I don't think the relationships between the characters are an emotional anchor. But I we think- like seeing that group of people together. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the emotion of, of the entire group with the audience. Yeah, of like yeah. you want to see what the hell is happening. Yeah, and we you know? ultimately like do like these characters. Yeah, it's even a if like Dennis is the worst person in the world, but like he's so bad, you like to watch him be terrible. I think that's one of the great things about that character is like he's a monster, but he's also real dumb. He so th- he thinks he's a master right. like criminal. Yeah, master. I don't know, like manipulator. Manipulator. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. But he's actually very stupid. Yeah, and I, I th- think ultimately like that's rewarding to watch, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, he thinks he's gonna get away with this, and then he never does. Yeah. That was one of the insights they talked about in the office where, like, they were saying that there was a conscious decision to write Michael Scott as, like, he's obviously a very, like, dumb guy and he's always doing dumb stuff. But they said they got advice from one of the creators of the British office, which was, like, he should be good at his job. Right. I mean, that's an improv thing, too. Like, don't be a bad doctor. Right. Be a good doctor who's maybe in, like, a dumb situation. But you're very, you're always at the height of your intelligence. Right. And so that's how you stay invested in the characters. Like, he's always doing dumb stuff, but then he's, like, good at it. Right. He's, like, good at his job. He's good at sales. He's, like, holding it all together. Right. It's, like, helping you ride that line of of, of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I I don't know. the, The only thing that gets me about the Office Ladies podcast, it's, like, was like immediately like an I mean obviously because of the people involved it's like very it was like it started as like an earwolf pof podcast mm. there's a ton of ad reads yeah. um and like I don't know it has the quality of like two like professional speakers mm-hmm. so it's kind of like I don't know it's like they're chatting but at times it feels forced just because sure. of like they're actors they're good at speaking so like they're like it feels very professional and mm. sometimes I can take away from the conversational nature of it. Is that, sure. that, if that makes sense? Yeah, I get what you're saying. You know, it's like, you know, sometimes it feels a little like, is this written? Mm. Like, what is happening? Like, are you guys talking or is this like scripted? Going I mean, back to the, the ad copy stuff, which by the way, guys, you won't hear any ads on this Ooh. show. We're ad free. We're supported by Thank listeners God. like you. Lighttreason.news. Smash that donate button if you want to keep us ad free. So I noticed that podcasts... Uh, how they're doing their ad copy now is they play music, mm. which is helpful when you're fast forwarding through it because you know exactly when the commercials end. Right. But I was also wondering if that was, you know, like when you're reading a news article and they have to like, most news sites will very clearly have like a box around promoted. Yes. Right. I wonder if that was an effort to very clearly distinguish like this is an ad. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're not just chatting about a product that we like. Right, right, right. Yeah. Because so, they all started doing it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I will say, and uh, everyone listening to this, d- do not consider this an endorsement of the <laughs> podcast. 
that is one good quality of Joe Rogan's podcast. Mm-hmm. He does all of his ad reads at the top of the podcast. So does uh, the dollop, Dave Anthony. Oh, okay, reads. cool. That's I think. That's I also think uh, Paul Shear does that with "How Did This Get Made." I rarely listen to. I should listen I to "How, love I get this made How more. Did This Get Made." I've listened to like one or two episodes of like a movie I really wanted to listen to the episode of, and it was great. Yeah. I need to listen to it more because it, it's they are so good. <laughs> those two, like those three people, are the funniest people. Ever. I mean, yeah. like, they are, like, legitimately some of my favorite funny people. It's one of the only podcasts that I genuinely enjoy live shows. Yeah. Usually I hate when podcasts do live shows because, like, the sound is shitty. People are fucking annoying in the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's so fun. They're live shows. I could listen to Jason Manzoukas and Paul Shear <laughs> just just ride a subway. It's so good. They're insane. I, I, I could listen to them do anything. Just yeah, like 100%. Li- like just have dinner. And Diane's so funny too. Oh, I mean she's the yeah, best. Yeah. I love like like And she's so great cuz like Jason and Paul just get so crazy and she's just such a good anchor. Oh, she like so good. <laughs> but like also so uh-huh. fucking funny. I brushed shoulders with Jason Menzoukas one time. Congratulations. That was crazy. Yeah. Was it at the party space during it, DCM? No, it was not. <laughs> I've never been that lucky. Uh it w- no, it was uh it was when we went to Carnegie Hall to see the UCP floor. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. He was like randomly we just came out of the same door. Yeah, what a weird bunch of people were cr- in that audience. <laughs> Wait, I think H. John Benjamin was up in the balcony yeah, with us. Like yeah. that was such a th- weird. Like everybody figuring it out. It like went like it was like a ripple through the audience. Or it was like H. John Benjamin is here. <laughs> Pass it on. <laughs> it's like such a that was such a weird time. I think about it all the time because I still have like the ticket stuff and stuff. I'm like that was so strange. We were truly. I mean, I was. We were back row of Carnegie Hall because those were the only tickets we could afford. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like up in like the fourth balcony. You didn't know there were that many balconies at Carnegie no, Hall. Oh, you did not. <laughs> you could barely see the stage <laughs> from up there. It was wild. Oh, it was such a weird time. And just yeah. seeing them like just doing improv. The, the perfect Carnegie space Hall. for an intimate improv mm-hmm. set. Yeah. Carnegie Hall. <laughs> uh, they all had like the Britney Spears mics on. Right, yeah. yeah. So any other recommendations? I think that's it. Okay. That was a lot. Yeah. That was more than I thought we would have. Guys, do you have recommendations? Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. Let us know on Twitter. Twitter's always the best place to reach me, unfortunately. Wow. <laughs> I will see it. <laughs> so, guys, on that note, let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news. So we should talk about the impeachment trial. Uh, do we have to? We do, because it was a big news okay, story. Right, uh, I get sad for liberals who thought something would happen <laughs> with this. Where I'm like, did you genuinely think? Like, I don't want to be that person who's like, you're dumb for thinking something good might happen. I have to believe that, like, Adam Schiff is acting. Because I feel like if he truly believes what he says, like... He'll go insane. He... He'll go insane and is one of the dumbest people alive. Yeah. Like, what? Like, you can't possibly have thought, like, you were going to, like, Republicans would be like, oh, wow, I, that was very convincing. I will, uh, I'll change I'll, my I'll, 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 I'll vote. I'll vote I'll to, I'll I'll vote to remove Democrats. the president. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, I obviously I didn't want to talk too much about that, but I did want to talk about this Marco Rubio post. Ugh. He put it up on Medium. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was so weird. Uh, but here are some key lines from his weird statement. Just because actions meet a standard of impeachment 
does not mean it is in the best interest of the country to remove a president from office. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Just because the actions meet a standard of impeachment, right. mm-hmm. okay, doesn't mean it's in the best interest of the country to remove a president. What? Yet, <laughs> Isn't that the definition of why we have impeachment? You would think. Kay. One would think. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I think... This is sort of a line they're taking now where it's like it's they're t- I, it feels like they're trying to hedge of not being like, oh, I'm going to nakedly just say that I don't care and I'm going to vote no. Yeah. And they're trying to be like, oh, well, even if it is, it's so close to an election that it doesn't matter. Well, it's, it's that line of reasoning. Out. And it's also this is another reason I wanted to talk about this, because I do think something important came out of this, but it's bad. It's a bad thing that came out of it, which is. Dershowitz, his whole line of reasoning, his legal reasoning for why it's okay what Trump did with Ukraine Mm -hmm. is that whatever the president does, as long as they're doing it, like with the nation's best interests in Mm -hmm. mind, it's legal. Right. Which is an insane standard to set. Very similar to the Nixon of like if the president does it, it's not illegal. Right, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. defense. Yeah, but this this seems to be like the most uh, overt they've been right. in stating it this way. So like, because Trump thought that getting dirt on Biden mm-hmm. would lead to his defeat and lead to Trump's reelection and he is what is what, quote unquote, is best for the country, right. all of his actions are justified retroactively. Right. right. That's insane. Yeah, that's an insane thing to say. Well, it's Alan Dershowitz. So yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what do we expect, right? <laughs> yeah, it's I my I think the, all the actual like ramifications of the trial I think are pretty obvious. My my thing is I hope, and I am not optimistic about this. My hope is that Democrats will finally get it through their thick skulls mm-hmm. that. Uh, politics is a game of power and uh you can't you're not gonna like good argument you're not gonna debate the republicans into submission mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter mm-hmm. it, it literally doesn't matter what you do mm-hmm. you know what i mean like you're not gonna like get up there and give a rousing this is not the west wing you don't give up and give a you don't get up and give a rousing speech and all of a sudden they're like oh actually I'm convinced yeah I, I'm wondering like how much of it is because obviously there's a lot of showboating going on yeah both sides right and so I don't know how much of it on the Democrats part is just showboating to get reelected like I really stood up to them in mm-hmm. Congress or if there are like genuine believers who are like if we just make a rational argument we'll yeah. win them over oh, God, I hope neither yeah <laughs> i don't know mm. but also a point i made on twitter the other day i also think it does not behoove democrats to pretend like hunter biden did nothing wrong well i remember when you and i first were talking about ukraine yeah i was like this is so shady yeah like i think like hunter biden is a shady motherfucker yeah, like the biden look the biden there's no question that all of Biden's sons have just been using the Biden name to get million dollar jobs doing nothing. (laughs) Like, like it's on, like there's no question about it. It's obvious. Like, like that's the thing about Hunter Biden is like, I don't think it behooves anyone to pretend like he did nothing wrong. Right. But that also still doesn't mean it doesn't excuse. It doesn't mean that 
Trump should be sending his personal lawyer to the Ukraine to dig up dirt on him. Right. You know, like you can have you can say both things, you know. Right. And so I think like it doesn't behoove anyone to pretend like Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. And also it's just like I, I think fighting for impeachment is good. I, I, I do think it is good. I just hope that the Democrats understand that it's not this is not like I think just they've been living in D.C. for so long that they just assume like, well, if we do things by the book and, you know, and, and this happens and this happens, well, if we just play nice and we're follow the rules and then like, you know, we can convince a couple of people. It's like, no, it doesn't happen that way. Right. It was never going to happen that way. There was no outcome of this Senate trial that doesn't involve Trump getting acquitted. Yeah. They're just not because yeah. it's a vote. It's a math thing. <laughs> it's they a, don't have the vote. It's just a vote. Yeah. And there's nothing. There is literally nothing. You they have Trump on tape talking about it. I know. Like it's like there's nothing you can do to could like convince these people to vote against their own interests. So speaking of behavior that does not behoove anyone, <laughs> I also want to put in the bad news section how people have apparently forgotten John Bolton's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> this happens all the time, <laughs> I feel like. Every time there's like it's like that's where I mean that's where the meme comes from. Like John Bolton, welcome to the resistance. It's <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. like, like, what are you talking about? I know. So uh, if you've been following the impeachment trial, uh, John Bolton has been uh, just been a little thorn <laughs> in Trump's side about the whole Ukraine thing. Um, and there was calls to allow John Bolton to testify. Mm-hmm. At this trial, obviously, the, the Republicans were never, ever going to let that happen in a million years. No. But suddenly, Democrats are cheerleading John Bolton just because he happens to, in the moment, be one of Trump's critics. But I just think it's important that we all remember John Bolton, massive piece of shit. Yeah, uh, war criminal. War criminal. Uh, massive piece of shit. And also is only doing this to sell a book. Yeah, He's 100%. Like, yeah, I have, dump on tr- I have uh, like dirt on Trump. And you can read about it Pre-order. in May. It's yep. like, go the fuck yourself. Like, yeah. either give us the evidence or go away. Yeah, you're not a public servant because you want to <laughs> sell books. <laughs> like, if you actually cared about this, you would just, like, send a column to the New York Times. Yeah, like, yeah. here's all the evidence yeah. I have. Th- that's what I, that, that happens, I feel like that happens in D.C. so much. People are like, oh, I have this explosive information, and it's in my new book. Right. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Get out of here. I hate him. So And his dumb mustache. I mean it's a marvelous mustache, but it's on John Bolton, so you know, right. transitive property. It's so before we dumb. run out of time in the bad news section, I want to talk about Kobe Bryant. <sighs> I know. So this is man, I got a lot of feelings about this. I can I just a quick aside, yeah. I found out about Kobe's death in a very strange way, which is uh uh, I was coming out of a melatonin coma, mm-hmm. um, which I have to be in to work overnight. Right. So I like woke up at eight o'clock at night, just in a complete haze. Mm-hmm. I reached over and I grabbed my phone, and the first thing I saw was an alert from my own company, <laughs> Citizen, and the, it just said Kobe Bryant. And I was like, I don't know what the hell is happening right, right now. <laughs> like I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I, I think I could top that. I was on a date. <laughs> <laughs> and I loudly announced it. Wow. I was like, Kobe Bryant and his daughter are dead. Yeah. I was on a date. So I have a lot of feelings about this. Obviously, uh, it's a horrific tragedy. Um, Kobe dying, Gigi being with him. So fucking unspeakably sad. And all of the other families who were killed as well. Mm-hmm. Horrible. 
Horrible, horrible. And the helicopter pilot. Horrible. Awful. Um, <clears throat> I think Kobe Bryant is an interesting example of... I understand the the anger and frustration, especially from rape survivors, mm-hmm. about how rapists are given endless second chances mm-hmm. <laughs> by society. Right. Uh, and that why there was like a lot of anger directed at Kobe Bryant uh, because he got a do-over essentially after he was, um, you know, they settled out of court. She, uh, the victim never wanted her name published. She just wanted, she wanted it to be over, which I get. Uh, And he, you know, he made a not great statement afterwards where he was basically like, we were on two different pages Mm -hmm. and I, whatever even though like if you if you actually know the evidence of the trial like this was a violent rape right like her blood was you know like yeah there were it was bad uh so it was not you know we were on two different pages right having said that i think if we call ourselves progressives and we believe in rehabilitation Mm -hmm. redemption right you shouldn't have the attitude like it made me think of I don't want to use that example. That's a bad example. But it if we believe all of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And that people shouldn't just be like locked up forever and the the key should be thrown away. Isn't Kobe Bryant actually a, a good example of someone who after that th- happened, mm-hmm. he went on to be a really valuable part of his community. Yeah. As a mentor as a mentor for women. Mm-hmm. He was a, a real big supporter of the, the WNBA. He, by all accounts, was a wonderful father, mm-hmm. like worshipped his children. Yeah. It's a really complicated story <laughs> because I fully get why rape survivors are furious that that aspect of his life, which was one of the defining moments of his life, yep. he, he raped somebody. For sure. That can never be undone, mm-hmm. was not being covered by outlets. Mm-hmm. At the same time, when when someone dies so horrifically, so suddenly, so tragically, I also get why that was not the thing that news outlets were focusing on. Right. They were like, this man died with his daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, that is such a horrible tragedy. Yeah. And, you know, he was so beloved by so many people. I think, like, I, I <coughs> to your second point mm-hmm. about coverage of, the, of his death... Mm-hmm. I think you can kind of have it both ways, which mm-hmm. is where like, I think it's I think it's perfectly reasonable to say like, him and his daughter just died horrifically. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think you can be of the opinion of like, this is not the time to talk Give about. Give it like, forty eight hours. Right. That's I, a good general rule because people are hysterical in their grief. Right. And they will that reporter. Yeah. Like almost got fired for just pointing out. That that story, she didn't. She linked to somebody else's story. Right. It was like this exists. I think, I think the way you kind of mitigate that is, I think it's a perfectly reasonable opinion to be like, he just died horrifically with his daughter. Maybe we can allow people time to grieve. I also think if somebody wants to talk about it, they should not be suspended from their job that or is, whatever. That was a wild precedent. Unbelievable. To set. That you was know? really scary. I think if you're a boss, you can be like, hey, I, you know what you're saying represents the like represent you represent our company. Yeah. This is not how we want to deal with his death right now. 
you know, 48 hours, babe. You can maybe talk <laughs> about it, you know, but yeah. like suspending her is insane. Totally. And like really scary, like such a scary precedent to set. But yeah, I think if you're if you're a person that is like, I don't care. I want to talk about, you know, his trial. I think you should be allowed to do that and just understand that other people may not be on that same wavelength. And also understand that, like, we have this, a different standard for black men. Yeah. In this case, mm-hmm. you know, like. And I understand why I, you know, like some of my black friends were posting on social media, like I'm noticing a lot of white women Mm -hmm. (laughs) coming for him at a time when people are like trying to deal with their grief. Right. At the same time, I understand like how awful it must be for rape survivors right now, especially like there are so many rape survivors who have watched their rapist go on to do like big things and like Mm. move on unscathed after raping them and like to see people just glowingly praise Kobe Bryant without acknowledging that he did this terrible thing too. I understand why that, you know, was making people really upset. Yeah. I think it's one of those cases where like, I don't think there are easy answers to it because to your first point, like he did by all accounts sort of like, do good things with his do life. Do good things. He turned yeah. his life around. He really like used his status and his power to like uplift women's sports, yep. his daughters. Like he became like very involved in his community. Yeah. I do think there is something to be said about that. Doesn't obviously excuse or never. change anything. He can that never happened. he could never, never, ever undo that thing. Right. But if we believe in rehabilitation, if we believe in redemption, is he not like a shining example I of someone th- who went on to do good things? Yeah, and I think when we talk about like like rapists who are quote unquote like given second chances and are allowed to like, I think most of the time what we're talking about is people who are allowed to just like have their career and success and they don't do this kind of work of like reinvesting in their community of like really turning things around. I think what bothers me about that is though, that I don't feel like he ever fully grappled. That's the thing is like, he didn't ever go back and like, be like, I did rape that it. woman. Yeah. I raped that woman. He never addressed it, which yeah. is, I think, a problem. Yeah. But I d- so I can't fully be like, he was rehabilitated. No, because, he wasn't. No. You know, like, he. I don't think he ever truly understood what he did was rape. He was like, oh, we were just not on the same page. And That's one like, thing I wonder about. Because yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I lose. Yeah, like, maybe private. Like, I I'm not, was never in that guy's head, you know? Yeah. So, like, maybe he did come to terms with that. I don't know. I'm just saying that, like, I, there does need to be a public element of that, Right. I think. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I, 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 that's always one thing I was always curious about. I was like, I, I wonder. Because I think you get the impression from, like, a lot of, like, very public rape cases that, like, they know. Mm-hmm. I always wondered with Kobe if he like if he ever gra- like dealt with the fact of right. like he raped someone. You right. know what I mean? Like I don't I don't because I didn't I followed the trial loosely when it was happening. I was mm-hmm. in high school, so I was like I don't know like I like I didn't wasn't really like that invested in it. But like just reading about that trial and stuff, I was like yeah. I'm always cu- uh, you know curious about like you know based on his statement and and stuff like that of like did he understand what happened? Mm-hmm. Did he ever deal with it? You know yeah. I you know. We'll yeah. and we'll never know. We'll never but, know. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I don't think it's even with his past. I personally don't think it's outrageous for to allow people to like grieve a sudden loss like that. No, I, I like. At the, I was so nervous to talk about this because it's such a complicated issue, mm-hmm. and. 
people are feeling like the most emotions about it. Mm -hmm. I think whatever you're feeling is valid. Yeah. If you are a rape survivor and this is a really upsetting time for you and and you have to like mute the words Kobe Bryant right. on Twitter yeah. and you just like don't want to see any of it, that is valid. Yeah. If you are grieving Kobe Bryant because he was uh, a, a role model to young black people and really uplifted his community and was really supportive of female athletes and was a great dad. That's valid. Yeah. I think you can, I think both of those things are perfectly valid. All valid. Um, and yeah, like I said, I was, I was nervous to talk about it cause I'm like, Oh, I, f I feel so many things about this and I don't, I don't want to offend rape survivors, obviously. And I don't also don't want to offend people who, watch society so easily throw away black men right. and refuse to give them rehabilitation opportunities. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious like how people navigate these types of things and I, I'm not uh, passing judgment either way. I'm, I'm, I, I legitimately mean, I'm curious how people navigate these types of things, these types of situations and also like advocate for like prison reform that's the and thing stuff like, like that. I don't necessarily totally understand the dynamics of like, if you're a rapist, you can never be rehabilitated, but also yes. we want to abolish prisons or, yes. you know, and I, I think that's I like the next thing we're going to have to grapple with as yeah. a community. I think right now there's been, um, because of me too, because so many rape survivors have seen powerful men get yeah, away with rape, there is a tremendous amount of anger. Yeah, of course. And Absolutely. the response to that has been, we must cancel someone forever. Right. And I think that's been the impulse because there really hasn't been an example yet of someone of Kobe Bryant's status, right. like a Harvey Weinstein, a Louis C.K., right. who has like effectively come to terms with the fact that they are a predator. Right. No, they never do. I would be very interested to see if someone genuinely, genuinely accepted that they were a rapist, mm -hmm. that they had raped someone or right. multiple people, right. and tried to like rehabilitate themselves. Right. That would be interesting because at that moment we would have to be like, we don't want to be carceral liberals, right? Right. So at that point, don't we believe in rehabilitation? Yeah. I would but think I so. Think I, but I they just have to address never, it first. That's the thing. Yeah. That's why I think we've never had that conversation. Right. Because no one has honestly addressed it and been like, I did those things. Yeah, because when you're, uh, I think when you're of that sort of status and power level, it's sort of like, you know part of the reason that you're doing these things is because you feel powerful right. and like doesn't like who cares about what happens to other people because mm -hmm. you're the you know you're you're the big shot right you know so who cares and they don't even i you know i i don't know how much they people like weinstein and stuff actually see what they do as being rape you know no. what i mean like because it's uh because they are so powerful and and are so used to this sort of like way of life mm -hmm. Yeah. Guys, I hope that made sense. I felt very stuttery. I think it's <laughs> uh, it's one of those things I don't think there are easy answers for. Yeah. There are like very big societal topics that are going to have to be addressed. Yes. Espe especially if we're going to sort of take up the mantle of 
prison reform you know prison abolition that kind of yeah. stuff we do ha- like we have to talk about restorative justice and there and i know there are a lot of quote-unquote liberal women who when it comes to rape mm-hmm. are like lock them up and throw away the fucking key right yeah and i understand that impulse but at the same time like if we are going to reform prisons mm-hmm. yeah that can't be right the we have to figure out something yes. yeah. yeah yeah and that's it's, gonna it's, be a really it's a hard topic emotional there are, conversation yeah, there are no easy answers rightfully to so yeah uh, guys, on that note, that's enough of the bad. Here's your good news. I'm putting Bernie Sanders leading in Iowa in the good news section. I am... I cannot wait. Is this happening, name. Eric? <laughs> I, I refuse to believe anything good right, can happen. Uh-huh. So ultimately, um, although I don't know, I really thought Biden would be the nominee, but he is plunging in the There's polls. There's a new poll that came out today oh, okay. that has them tied okay. at 25%. But also, I think Holy Biden... Shit. I feel like Biden does bad in a caucus. Because who's excited about Biden? Who's excited about Joe Biden? A Democrat. Who wants to who wants to go to a like a VFW hall and like stand there for four hours? See Joe like, tear it up. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like sexually harass some people? Yeah, like I don't know. Like Bernie just had a a, ra- a rally in Cedar Rapids last night. It was the largest political rally that anybody's had in Iowa so far. Oh my god! I mean, like there's a lot. He has a huge ground game in Iowa right now. I refuse to feel hope. But yes, at the I refuse same to time, feel hope. But we're in the good news section. I refuse to feel hope. <laughs> That is my promise to all of you. Tomorrow's going to be very exciting. Oof. Tomorrow night's going to be very exciting to see what happens. Because as much as we don't like to uh, believe it, you know, P- Winnie Guy was a big deal. Like, it, it gives you a lot of it momentum. It is, annoyingly. It shouldn't matter. I, it, Iowa has way too much power. It's insane. Look, but If you're from Iowa, nothing against you. But also, who cares about your state? Yeah. Honestly. Honestly. Who cares? You rigged the system so we all have to care <laughs> about you, which good on you, because otherwise people will be Smart. like, I don't fucking care about Iowa. This is, this is pretty much the only reason we eat corn. Right. <laughs> basically, yeah. We have to keep them placated <laughs> by corn. That's why high fructose corn syrup isn't everything. We yeah, have to keep much. Iowa happy. <laughs> they have the caucus. Why don't we just change the date? No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> They'll just keep moving. They'll have their caucus like four <laughs> years early. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But... It does give you momentum. It does. The momentum is huge. Cause Although, wasn't there that statistic that almost no one who's won Iowa has won the presidency? I think that's true. But I, d- I wonder, I would love to go back and see what the fields were like at that time. Mm-hmm. I feel like going into Iowa for most of them, it was either down to two people or pretty well. Like By the time we got to Iowa in 2016, even though Bernie had momentum, it was sort of like, we all knew Hillary Clinton was going to win. Sure. It was kind of a foregone conclusion. Yep. We all knew it was going to happen. So mm-hmm. it was sort of like, you know, it kind of felt that way. And t- I mean, I don't remember I, at this point, I don't remember 2008 that well, but it, like I, I felt, I felt very confident that Obama was going to get the nomination. Uh, but that, I mean, that was also just because I was voting for him. So right. who, who knows? But, right. but you know what I mean? It's like, I think, you know, I, I, I do not remember except maybe 2016 Republican primary mm-hmm. seeing a field that was so split yes leading into the primary, and that the establishment candidate is so weak right 
Like Biden is very weak. Yes. So I don't know. I, I but it, I mean, regardless, like, you, you know, historically, maybe it's not true, but I do think there is a certain like. I think a big part of not of winning Iowa and then not winning the primary is because the first four primaries are like these kind of like smaller ones. Mm. You have like this New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, but then you have Super Tuesday. Right. Super Tuesday is generally where establishment candidates pick up a ton of delegates because yeah. there's a bunch of states all at the same and time. And that still makes me nervous. I feel like Biden could really yeah. crush so, that. Or, you know, Bloomberg. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like nothing would surprise me at this point. So I think like. It's been a while since I've seen, except, I mean, maybe Trump, I mean, maybe Trump is the, the, the example of like the non-party establishment candidate having momentum mm-hmm. going into it, you know? Um, I don't know. I, it's, it's, these are not traditional races <laughs> that are happening. No, right we now. live in uh, crazy times. <laughs> I do think I, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say that I think if Bernie loses, you'll see the Democratic Party like just crumble because like because of like migration out of the party but i do think there was a recent report of like they're floating the idea of reinstating super delegates <laughs> fuck <laughs> to to go against sanders because Ugh. they because they they don't want sanders to be a nominee like, could you be more transparent that you were just rigging everything i think if that happens that will the party insane. will just Fully split insane. and die like, yeah, I think you'll you'll lose the party. Yeah, well, we've point. seen this fracturing on the right, you know, between the establishment GOP and the more radical like Tea Party mm-hmm. aspects. Right. Yeah, I think yeah. the left is way past due for that to happen as yeah. well. Um, did you see that poll that came out about how likely supporters of certain candidates would be to switch over their support if their candidate? I've seen dropped so out. I've seen some polls. Sanders of that. had the lowest uh, yeah. of all the Democrats. It was like fifty three percent. Right. Um, that's interesting. <laughs> but what's I don't know how true that is. Yeah, I mean, I I wonder. You know, I I I'd be interested in that. You know, I wonder how true that is. But also, like when people talk about like, oh, like Bernie Bros. If he doesn't win, they're just going to torpedo the election. Like. People need to understand that 25% of Hillary Clinton voters in 2008 voted for John McCain over Obama. Jesus 25%. Like, so... uh, Fuck every single one of you, by the way. Nobody's hands are clean in this type of (laughs) thing, you know what I mean? And also, like, they always say, like, oh, Bernie voters are going to switch and vote for Trump. What? It's not like there's a bunch of, like super left-wing communist Bernie supporters that are voting for Trump. It's t- typically people who don't have a party affiliation who vote for Bernie because they just want some sort of rogue candidate, you know, somebody who's not part of the establishment. Right. And then if he doesn't win, they vote for Trump. It's right. not like, yeah, nobody, <laughs> Antifa members are not <laughs> going <laughs> to switch over and vote for Trump. You don't think? You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like the the, Voni, the Bernie support, supporters that they're talking about switching over and voting for Trump are largely just people who are unaffiliated politically and are just voting to vote. You right. know what I mean? Because they want some sort of anti-establishment candidate. Sure. And frankly, I don't care why they vote for Bernie as long as they vote for Bernie. Me either. <laughs> uh, that's a nice watch. Thank you. I got it in the lost and found in my old job. Oh, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> what kind is it? It's an Invicta Wow, watch. it's real nice. It's very, it it's very fancy. I feel, I feel fancy. Yeah. It's one of those things I, I wear it and I just feel... You look wealthy. I feel better than you everyone. You look like you're part of the problem. I have, I just, you know, I was just buying companies left and right on my way over here. You know, firing workers, that type of thing. Sure. You know, you know how they you do. They were like, who are you? And yeah. you're like, you're fired. <laughs> 
I'm a confident white man. <laughs> They're like, well, I guess we got to go home. Yeah, you could literally just waltz into any, any business and fire someone. Sure. They'll just if you're a they confident have to white do it. man. Yeah, you just walk Being in. Being tall helps too. A yes. tall, confident, clean straight, shaven. Cis I got a good man. head of hair. Yep. Oh my God. You just walk in. I'd be in. like, okay, I'd just grab you just my things. You just walk in and you're like, you're fired. Like, who are you? You're like, I own this place. I'm like, okay, I guess that's true. I don't know. I'm trying to make sense of my life later. <laughs> you just went home? The man <laughs> said I didn't have a job anymore. Who was it? I, the man. I don't know. Well, the guy, the owner. <laughs> I think he owns it. I don't know. <laughs> So I'm I'm also putting the backlash uh, against <laughs> American Dirt <laughs> in the good news section. It's just been a pleasure to watch this stupid book absolutely fall apart in real time. So in case you missed it, Oprah made a big announcement that the the new book in Oprah's book club is this novel, American Dirt, written by Janine Cummins. Mm-hmm. And turns out, Miss Janine Cummins... Uh, the book is about like the immigrant experience knows nothing about <laughs> the immigration experience and actually um, not only made up stuff in like a very offensive way, but also directly lifted like anecdotes from people's Facebook walls. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, really beyond appropriation. Here's the thing. I think you theoretically could not be uh, an, an immigrant and write a book about immigrants, theoretically. Should you? <laughs> you probably shouldn't. But <laughs> theoretically, you know, sociologists write about populations that are not a part of, but they go, they talk they to them, they embed themselves, they let the population of people tell their own stories, and then they just repeat them and boost them. Uh, that apparently did not happen at all. No, and case. what was extra frustrating about her is she actually said, so she anticipated there would be a huge backlash. Hmm. And she actually why. said, like, I wish someone who was brown could have written this, but no one was doing it, so I did it, which is wow. a lie. Like, yeah. 100%. There definitely have been people Latinx writers books. have been writing about this yeah. beautifully yeah. for, like, forever. Right. It's just that they're not platformed in Oprah's book club mm-hmm. in the same way Janine Cummins has been platformed. They don't get seven-figure book deals. So don't get me started on how people <laughs> report the number. Book deals? Because deal people don't understand. Like, you have to pay taxes on that. Yes. You'll actually see very little of that. <laughs> That's annoying. And it just annoys me. Someone who's written a book, I'm like, uh-huh. you think we're making a lot of money. We're not making a lot of money. Um, I will say also this... This whole controversy has basically cemented my feeling that uh, I cannot engage with and just refuse to be a part of book Twitter. <laughs> book Twitter is the craziest place online. I think. Why? Like it's toxic? It's I don't know if it's toxic. I just think that like it's like uh, this is deserved. Yes. But it's like I feel like all I hear about is this mm-hmm. is of like just constant debates about books oh just, yeah well what is there to do other than debate i don't know about books live your life <laughs> well like well if you're interested in books i don't know what would I you just, be talking I, about i just as somebody that's not a writer mm-hmm. it just i like it seems like that there's just a lot going on on book twitter i think that's why I, this was so pleasurable to see happen yes. because it's so deserved and not only that the the in the backlash a lot of latinx writers have been platformed because people have been like using them as examples of like hey if you actually want to learn about 
what Janine Cummins was claiming mm-hmm. she knew about, she knew nothing about. Read these authors. Yeah, that is nice. So I think it's been good in that aspect. Mm-hmm. It's like it has inadvertently platformed a lot of Latinx writers right. uh, because she was being a little racist. I'd be monster. interested to see if that has any effect on the actual like traditional publishing world. Well, it seems like yeah. they are very slow to react to that kind of stuff. I know Oprah has already committed to uh, featuring more Latinx authors because she's like, I she posted a video of like what looked like her in her kitchen, and she was like, "Hey guys, um, I hear your millions of angry messages, and I I." hear you i know i i messed up so i'm here's what i'm gonna do and she was like i'm gonna feature more latinx authors and i was like well that's great yeah you would uh you d- <laughs> nothing against oprah but you, you would assume her team would do a little more research after the whole I'm james fry thing shocked. i'm shocked i'm <laughs> like you guys just went through i mean not just went that was a while ago but like famously you platformed an author who made up everything in his bag had a huge public falling out with this guy like can you imagine i'm like how did you fucking do this again how did you not know it would be a bad idea to platform a white woman who Mm. wrote a book about the immigrant experience like at what point has oprah just surrounded herself with dumb white women because like if there was one person of color on her staff you You think think they would have been like what what is this no we can't do that that's gonna bite us in the ass in a spectacular way right yeah, yeah, that's that was my first reaction when I read about that. I was like, did, like, don't they research this stuff? They thought would, thought they would have learned that lesson a long time. I don't ago. know why I just assumed Oprah would have like this diverse staff. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what goes on with the Oprah. I didn't. I honest to God, until this happened, I didn't know Oprah's book club was still going. <laughs> yeah. Also, I, maybe maybe you can't give feedback to Oprah. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe. she chooses the book and it's like that's the book. That's uh, Oprah yeah. chose it. Yeah, I wonder. I, I mean, I don't. I, 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 I'm not going to ascribe any motives to Oprah. Sure. I wonder how much of that you is. You really afraid of Oprah. Look, I don't know. She has so much power. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm scared to <laughs> walk into my house. sweating. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I don't know if there's like a relationship with publishers mm. and they send her books. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that's I don't know how. I don't know how much like books just get as someone in. who is not a fraction of a fraction of a fraction as powerful and famous as oprah i get sent books right. by people yeah i don't so, know if, i don't know how much of it is just like hey like this should be your next book yeah, and it's just yeah. like okay like without reading it or researching it, you know? i'm sure she read it because yeah. she like she spoke really passionately about it and oh, okay yeah like it's clearly a big fan of right. the novel right right um but yeah, man, did they fuck up? Jesus Christ! Yeah, that's that's kind of kind of wild to me. Um, when this kind of stuff happens, yeah. just because it's like nobody, like nobody thought this was a bad idea before it got published. There like, are so many books she could have chosen. There's so many books. Yeah, there's so many books out there, guys. Mm-hmm. Oprah could have picked any single one of them. <laughs> she chose this one. That's crazy. Insane. Guys, we're out of time. Please follow Eric on Twitter at e r e k underscore Smith. You got anything you want to plug? Uh, I guess not. Wow, what a I got nothing. What a silence I just, and then a I deep just, sigh. I just sleep all day <laughs> and go you to work. You can't promote you sleeping. Mm-hmm. I uh, just go to work all day and sleep all day. Go to work at night. You, you know? got any pen recommendations? I did just buy a new one. Did you already talk about this on the show? Oh, I got the Mont Blancs a couple uh-huh. weeks ago, and I just bought a <laughs> I for a, a funny reason. I bought a a. a, a, a a, t- a, a cross that crosses the name of the company mm-hmm. 
the AT Cross Company. I bought one of their Townsend Rollerball pins mm-hmm. because it is the pen that Obama used to sign bills with. Um, <laughs> it just it was it was a cool looking pen, okay. so I bought it and it was it was cheap. I mean, relatively. But did you see it and then think that's a cool looking pen? I want to buy the pen, or were yeah. you like, I want to buy a pen? What did Obama sell? Signed bills. With. No, I saw it first. Okay. It looked cool, and then I was like, "Oh, what is that?" And I researched it and found out what it is. Insane. Um, and uh, it's nice. It's very nice. It's very hefty. It's it's a it's a yeah. weighty, hefty, hefty. Sure, pen. that makes sense. Yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, if you are a fan <laughs> of the show, go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button to keep us going. Shout out to all my Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. If you're a five dollar member a month supporter, I said that weird. Five dollar a month supporter. Yes. There we go. Uh, you can send questions, recommendations that we'll read on Light Trees and News. That is open all the time, guys. So even if you already sent a recommendation, you can send another one. Just do it again. You can do it right now. There's no deadline. Middle Isn't of the night. Amazing. Middle of the night time. when you wake up in a panic and yeah. you're like, Allison has to know about this mm-hmm. show. You can post on my Patreon under the post. And I will read that on Light Trees and News. Guys, follow me on Twitter at Allison Kilkenny. Oh, man. Light Trees and News is on all the social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Follow us there. L-O. What's that? L-O. You remember L-O? Yeah, what happened to (laughs) L-O? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. A lot of nothing, you dumb motherfuckers. (laughs) All right. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble.